Welcome to World Policy on Air, a weekly podcast from the pages and website of World Policy Journal, published by the nonprofit World Policy Institute in New York. I'm David Alpern. In this week's program, posted August 4, 2017, we consider a soft power tug of war between Moscow and the EU for influence in the Balkan nations between them, as reported in a recent WPJ blog post. We'll also spotlight top features in the new WPJ summer issue, cover line Justice Denied. But first, some timely insights from global affairs analyst and author Michael Moran, head of Transformative.io, risk and geostrategy consultants. Thank you, David. President Trump's enactment of new Russia, North Korea and Iran sanctions on August 2 was accompanied by a bizarre assertion that the bill he was signing into law is clearly unconstitutional. So why sign it, one might ask? Is the Constitution not worth defending, even if you're sure you're going to go down swinging, as the 98 to nothing Senate approval of the bill probably ensured? Trump's first few months in office have exposed the root of this problem. The issue is not constitutional, but rather Trump's profound ignorance about the constitutional role of the presidency, the Congress, and the courts. Whether or not you take an originalist view or favor a more activist effort at reinterpreting our 18th century foundational document, there's no argument about the importance of separation of power except in Trump's White House. As policy matters go, however, this is only a hiccup. The new sanctions are now law, regardless of the president's opinions. A more damaging misunderstanding on Trump's part, this time of basic macroeconomics, is contained in his newly announced plan to cut by nearly half the number of legal immigrants entering the United States. The plan does something that both Republicans and Democrats have wanted for decades by adding a skills-based criteria to immigration standards. Current approvals for immigration are often based almost solely on family ties to someone already here. Canada, Australia, and other immigrant-friendly nations have used skills criteria for years to attract the right talent for their economies. Unlike these successful systems, however, the Trump plan merely uses skills as an overlay to cut gross numbers. And here's where the economic quackery comes in. The United States, among the world's top economies, is among the healthiest in demographic terms. Healthy demographics is kind of a euphemism for economic growth. This is often expressed in the worker-to-retiree ratio. Japan, Germany, Italy, and even China are all in serious trouble as they age, and fewer workers' incomes will be asked to support more and more retirees. For instance, in China, seven workers' incomes currently support every retiree. That ratio will be 2 to 1 by 2050. The U.S. has a much less serious case of this problem. Since 1990, we've successfully avoided the worst by increasing legal immigration. Trump's immigration plan will not only fail to make America great again, it will accelerate the collapse of Social Security and slow economic growth to a crawl, as even more productive money is diverted to American seniors to avoid economic disaster. For World Policy on Air, this is Michael Moran. policy on air. Now this. All the six partners in the Western Balkans clearly want uh, to be more integrated in the European Union. Uh, the population in the region is clearly supporting the European Union perspective of their countries. And on the European Union side, we are determined to keep the door open and guarantee that there is a future in our union for each of them once the right reforms are passed. At the Western Balkans summit in Trieste last month, a fresh promise of EU membership down the road was made by Federica Mogherini, high representative of the Union for Foreign Affairs and Security Policy. 
Meanwhile, she reported sign-offs on many practical projects for the region, mainly EU-funded, and an important treaty of transport to open new roads in the geopolitically critical area. But those benefits don't come in a vacuum, as the EU wages a subtle war for influence in the Balkans against the savvy soft power of Moscow. The past, present, and possible future of that contest is explored in a recent post on the World Policy website blog by Milos Rostovich, scholar-in-residence at Duquesne University in Pittsburgh and cultural outreach coordinator at the Serb National Federation there. The headline is Russia's Soft Power in the Balkans, and we discussed it the other day for this podcast. Milos Rostovich, welcome to World Policy on Air. Thank you, David. Let's start with some background on the historic relationship between Serbia and Russia and how it figures in a so far still peaceful battle for the Balkans. I will make some main points. The relationship between Serbia and Russia has a long history through centuries. This relationship was elevated on higher political level at the beginning of 19th century. Two countries have had traditionally close historical, cultural, cultural and religious ties. I will give only a few examples. In 19th century, on the diplomatic level, Russia helped to solidify Serbia through the Convention of Ackerman in 1826, which was granted autonomy to Serbia. Then Treaty of Adrianople in 1829, when the Ottoman Sultan again guaranteed the autonomy of Serbia because of the Russia requirement. The other example I can say in 20th century, when was expressed in the Russian Tsar Nicholas second decision to go to war and defend Serbia at the beginning of World War I in 1914. As a result of that war, we already know the October Revolution was spawned in Russia in 1917, and Serbia was devastated and lost, and lost most of its population. On the other hand, one could argue that when Russia has a choice between protection of its own national interest or defending Serbia, Russia would always protect its own interest. For instance, Russia didn't want to go to war to help or defend Serbia during the Serbian uprising against Ottoman Empire at the beginning of the 19th century. Many historians say that would be very naive to believe that Russia would go to war for Serbia when she was facing war with Napoleon, or during the 1990s when Boris Yeltsin administration was not able to help even their own citizen and country. No one would expect that would help Yugoslavia. For example, in the Security Council of the United Nations regarding the UN sanctions on Yugoslavia in 1992, or during the NATO bombing in 1999. Among experts for the Balkan region, and one of them is Misha Djurkovic from the Institute for European Studies in Belgrade. He claims that perhaps one reason might be that the Yeltsin government was pro-Western and Serbia, if you remember during the 90s, during the Milosevic era, was anti-Western. And we had two incompatible policies. In the past decades and even today, Russia, especially today, Russia has augmented is present through soft power tools like diplomacy, energy deals, or other forms of trade. And I will, when we talk about the soft power, I will only say that 
Joseph Knight, Harvard professor, was the first who formulated the soft power as an attractive power, which means when he talks about the soft power, he talks in the sense of attractiveness of countries' culture, policies, and political idols, which should be and should be based on moral authority. In the case of Serbia, for instance, Russia supported Serbia and has vetoed for the resolution about the Srebrenica in the United Nations in 2015, as well as Kosovo membership in UNESCO organization in the United Nations. When did Serbia begin negotiations to join the EU? Where do they stand now? And what are the main issues that you see as roadblocks? Serbia, with other five Western Balkan countries, was a potential candidate for EU membership in 2003. However, Serbia officially began European Union accession negotiation in 2014. But the length of that arbitration process because of the changing requirement by the European Union for the Western Balkan candidates is longer. I will remind only that the European Union had different requirements for the countries of Western Balkan and also different compared to the countries, other countries in Eastern Europe. For each country of Western Balkans was different requirement to accession to the EU. And when we applied it to Serbia, that was the, e, the problem because EU shifting, shifted policies regarding the Kosovo issue, which was obstacle for Serbia. Kosovo, I will remind that Kosovo announced independence from Serbia in 2008, and Serbia is facing a problem with that in accession negotiation with the European Union. According to the Brussels Agreement, Serbia and Kosovo they started the process of normalization of their relationship. And many experts think that that's from the result of that process of normalization of the relationship between Kosovo and Pristina, between Pristina and Belgrade depends actually Serbian future in the European Union. I will also mention some other factors like Eurozone crisis in 2008 and Brexit in 2016 have also caused Western Balkan countries to reconsider their path towards the European Union. Then the migrant crisis also and EU quota system for accepting asylum seekers, seekers have caused some kind of alarm. The Balkan countries already struggle and facing with the mass unemployment and poverty. And all these uh, factors actually were leading to some kind of Euroscepticism among Serbian political and intellectual elite. But you're right that EU and Western influence generally is already quite evident in Serbia. Give us some examples of that. Yes, European Union and the West, they have already established soft power in Serbia through media and diplomacy, of course. In the field of media, many Serbian media, they try to emulate their popular Western counterparts by offering reality show news stories which are focused on Western countries and others. The news stories, if you look at the media, they are often taken by Western agencies such as France Press, Voice of America, Free Radio Free Europe, BBC, and others. The West also promote, promotes its views through NGO organizations, sponsorship for athletic, cultural events, 
another event. On political level, if you look at the European Union and the West are increasing their influence by cooperating with Serbian political and intellectual elites in areas, for example, European Union and transatlantic policies, then NATO Partnership for Peace program and NATO Individual Partnership Action Plan, which Serbia signed in 2015. Does Moscow seek to block Serbia actually joining the EU or simply maintain influence if that happens in Serbia and as a result within the EU? What we could hear from official Moscow by now that Moscow doesn't want to block Serbia joining the European Union. We could hear from many Russian officials that they will they respect the Serbian choice to go to European Union. At the same time, Russia still increasing its influence in the region. However, that influence in political, economic or military level is minor compared to the European Union investor influences in the region. In other words, if for, I'm talking hypothetically, if Serbia becomes the member of the European Union one day, Russia would expect from Serbia to advocate for her within the EU zone based on Serbian-Russia's traditional and historical relationship. Say more about the soft power strategies that Moscow has employed to counter EU projects and promises. Russia, in some kind of response to the Western and European Union activity in Serbia, started expanding media presence through, through Russia Today and Sputnik. And also Russia viewed also, as I explained, by the Serbian medium with the Russian section, uh, like Russian World, Voice of Russia, Fund of Strategic Culture. Then, in the field of culture, we have in Belgrade Russian House, Russian Cultural Center, then Development Center of the Russian Geographic Society, then Manifestation Days of Russian Culture, and other events. And through all these agencies and events, Russia has tried to infuse its own values and views across the region. And this kind of Russia's approach caused concern for European Union officials as a negative perspective regarding the European Union policies. And some of them, uh, European Union officials, they say the European Union needs to be more visible in the Western Balkans region. Talk about Moscow's South Stream pipeline project to exploit a gap in EU policy, what it offered, and what happened to it. Well, that's a very interesting question. Russia had a very clear strategy towards the Western Balkans with the South Stream, South Stream project, which would enable Western Balkan countries to be a transit gas route to the other European Union countries. This project was announced in 2010, and the Serbian parliament accepted this pipeline because they hope that this project will provide about 2.1 billion euros of direct foreign investment to the national economy. That number is approximate number that they predicted. In this project, Serbia would increase its foreign investment, decrease unemployment because thousands of people would work on this project, make a profit of the gas transit through Serbia, and finally, which is very important, 
solve the problem of energy security, which is necessary for economic growth for the industry and residents in the future decades. On the other hand, Russia's benefit with this project would be that with that pipeline, Russia would strengthen its geostrategic position in the region, in the Balkan, and also make increase more dependence on Russian gas in the region and make profit for themselves. However, in 2014, Russia suspended the project because of the requirement of the European Union regarding the Russian supplier Gazprom. In fact, the European Union requirement, they didn't allow the Russian supplier Gazprom, which owns 50% stake in the pipeline, to use it exclusively. At the same time, what we could see is that the European Union and the West, they planned the Nabucco pipeline, but that project, unfortunately, has never been applied. Last year, Russia and Turkey made an agreement regarding the Turkey pipeline. Recently, the last several weeks, in June also, we could hear that Serbia, Bulgaria, and Hungary are very interested in building one branch of that pipeline which could, which could go through those countries and the rest will go to the European Union. For now, we could only read about negotiation among, among these countries and their hope that this project can work for them. But what is uh, important here to stress is this very difficult for them, a difficult question for them, who will finance this project? And all these countries, are they able to finance this project or Russia will invest in this project? And the other hand, we still didn't hear any reaction from the EU officials about this idea. You note that Serbia signed trade agreements with Russia in 2000 and with the EU eight years later. But you say its economy is now much more closely tied to the West, although a majority of Serbs don't really know that. Uh, talk about the, the actual financial picture and what's behind the misconception. Serbia's position now is that she has a geopolitical advantage of both trade agreements. She signed a trade agreement with the European Union in 2008 and with Russia in 2000. And the country's economy is more close tied to the European Union than to Russia. And I will give some evidence about that. In 2001, according to the Statistical Office of the Republic of Serbia, 57.6% of Serbia's total exports went to the European Union, compared to only 6.7% to Russia. Between 2005 and 2013, Russia was Serbia's eighth largest investor. But all these invest, investment, they didn't have dominant economic force. Russia is eighth investor in Serbia because of the privatization of the petroleum industry of Serbia, NIS, and Beopetrol. And we can say that two-thirds two of the total Russia export to Serbia are actually oil and natural gas. However, experts for this field they say that Serbia's export to Russia increased faster than total export to other countries in recent years. It, that means that Russian market has a great capacity to accept Russian goods. And I would say hypo hypothetically, 
For example, if Serbia access one day to the European Union, there is a question about this Russian trade agreement. Can this agreement will still be valid or Russia will suspend that agreement? That's the question. And what Johannes Hahn, EU Commissioner for Neighborhood Policy and Enlargement Negotiations said that most of the Serbs still believe that Russia is the biggest investor in their country and he thinks that that doesn't the European Union actually doesn't say its own story with enough determination. Even if you look at historically, at the beginning of the 20th century, most of the Serbian trade was with Austro-Hungary. Later, after Austro-Hungary, was Germany, as today with the European Union countries. And what could be behind that picture about the Russia as the biggest investor in Serbia? Maybe it could be dependence on Russia oil and gas, and second reason can be historical and cultural ties and heritage between two countries. We should be aware that life has historically been hard in Serbia, making it difficult to coax people to trust money and affluence over culture and tradition. Hmm. And Russia has a lot of experience with the people of Serbia. You also mentioned consistent Russian support for Serbia's international policies and positions now, particularly concerning Kosovo. Say more about that. Yes, one of the reasons Serbia has strengthened its tie with Russia, in order to get support in the United Nations Security Council regarding Kosovo's status, Russia has, if you can see through years and decades, Russia has consistently supported Serbia's policies in the international arena. Both countries, Russia and Serbia, they argue that international law was broken when Yugoslavia was bombed in 1999 without approval of the Security Council of the United Nations. And also when Kosovo announced independence from Serbia in 2009. Russia, we could see that, is persisting in supporting Serbia's territorial integrity in the Security Council of the United Nations. These are most two most relevant factors why Russia is supporting Serbia in the international arena. And talk about Serbia's reluctance to support Western sanctions against Russia, considering both the current economic and historical factors. Yeah, we give only short historical review. During the World War II, the former Soviet Union and Yugoslavia, they were fighting together as allies. However, since 1948, Yugoslavia turned its back to Soviet Union and opened the door to Western influence. During the Cold War, the former Yugoslavia cooperated with both, with East and West. And this kind of neutral policy between Russia and the West is the policy which Serbia pursued today. If we put this European Union sanction against Russia in this kind of historical context with Serbia, we would see that these sanctions threaten to neutral stance that Serbia has historically maintained. The EU tries to convince Serbia to impose sanctions during the accession negotiation, but offer Belgrade nothing in return. Serbia is still not a member of the European Union, and it still is not obligated to follow all the EU rules. Serbian economy would suffer if the change its policy toward Russia. As a consequence of that policy, Serbia, there is a possibility that Serbia would lose trade agreement with Russia. 
which would have big impact on the Serbian economy. And what is the most important, what will be the energy future of the country? And the second thing, many in Serbia remember that it was Soviet Union, but not Europe, that came to their defense and rescued them from the Nazi occupation during the World War II. And Russian soldiers were buried in cemeteries across the former Yugoslavia after the World War II, and monuments highlighting their contribution still stands today there. Serbia's new president announced after his election last May that Russian support would soon include armored vehicles, tanks, and planes. Uh, given that his nation refuses to join NATO in continuing protest of the bombing that ended Serb rule over Kosovo, is that still, do you consider, soft power? Or is it a threat to NATO if hostilities with Moscow erupt? On, on which side would Serbia fight? As I already said, Serbia is pursuing neutral stance between the East and West. Serbia buying weapons from both sides, East and West. President, Serbian President Vucic says that Serbia bought nine Airbus helicopters from Germany and France, which are the members of NATO. And this is the question of business for, for him. According to the Serbian officials, Serbia doesn't have aspiration to be a mem member of NATO. But Serbia is a member of NATO Partnership Peace Program and signed the SOFA agreement, which NATO gives immunity from prosecution in the territory of Serbia. This agreement actually shows high level and very close cooperation between Serbia and NATO. Moreover, we can say that in 2015, Serbia had only two military exercises with Russia and only 22 with NATO. In recent President Bush's visit to the United States, he said that in 2017, Serbia had four times more military exercise with NATO than with Russia. Even the Russian Humanitarian Center in south of Serbia, in Niche, doesn't have diplomatic status as NATO has with SOFA agreement. And we also know that Russia doesn't have any military alliances or associations in the Western Balkans. For me, it was very personal, it was very interesting when I read in June that Serbia had both military exercise with Russia and NATO at the same time. And this is some example how Serbia is struggling for its neutrality between two powers. So overall, how do you see the struggle for influence playing out in Serbia and the rest of the Western Balkans over the next few years? Many experts for the Balkan region agree that the Western Balkan countries will continue their path to the European Union. And many policymakers agree that the European Union and West have a dominant role in the region. However, if you look at the broader picture, the Western Balkan is on the periphery of both Russia and the Western priorities. Russia, on the one side, would like to keep Serbia in its zone of influence, or alternatively, as a buffer zone that can advocate for Moscow in European Union. The other side, the European Union and the West, need Serbia for similar reasons, to extend their sphere of influence, uphold their regional policies, and create a buffer against Russia. But I'm repeating in some, he's always repeating history, in some historical context, if you look at from ancient Greece to, to, to today, it has always been difficult for one power to control the Balkans. Milos Ostovic, thank you.
Thank you very much, David. Milos Rostovich is scholar-in-residence at Duquesne University in Pittsburgh and cultural outreach coordinator at the Serb National Federation there. His recent post on the WPJ website blog is headlined, Russia's Soft Power in the Balkans. Since we spoke, Vice President Mike Pence entered the fray, accusing Russia of working to destabilize the Western Balkans, undermine democracy there, and divide them from Western Europe. Quote, we truly believe the future of the Western Balkans is in the West, Pence said in Montenegro, which joined NATO this year in defiance of Russia, including a suspected Moscow-backed coup attempt. Further countering President Trump's early isolationist tone, Pence reaffirmed a U.S., quote, commitment to strengthen ties between it, the Western Balkans, and the EU, a message that gained credibility with Trump's signing of new sanctions on Russia, North Korea, and Iran, passed by Congress despite his claim they encroach on presidential power. Featured in the new WPJ summer issue, cover line Justice Denied, you'll find articles on how Egypt's lawmakers codify oppression, why Honduran farmers sued the World Bank for investing in murder, what imperils New Berlin, and much more. World Policy on Air is a production of World Policy Journal at the nonprofit World Policy Institute in New York. Interim editor Carolyn Preston, managing editor Laurel Jerombeck, podcast producer Anna Grace Carter. I'm David Alpern. Thank you.